podcast with Victor Pacheco. Hello and welcome to Poppycock Podcast with your host, Victor Pacheco. We got another great episode today with a very legendary guest, actor, comedian, marijuana advocate, Mr. Tommy Chong. Hey, that's me. Hey, how you doing today, Tommy? I'm I'm doing really good, you know, considering all, all my friends are dying, so. Oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. No, it's, their time was up. What can I say? You know, uh, when, I didn't... when you leave, you know, uh, not a shock. But we were we were never destined to be here forever. Obviously, yeah. It just it just hurts too. Like lose. I mean, I'm 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 37. I've already lost a lot of friends too. I can only imagine the amount of friends that you've lost throughout the years. So, um, I'm. It's just my heart goes out to you, and I'm sorry that you're going through that. My my neighbor Frank, he used to tell he's when I was a little boy, he would say, "Hey, you know why old people are always so upset?" And I was like, "No," and he just thought like, "Well, that's because we've seen all of our friends and relatives die. All our loved ones are gone. That's why we're always pissed off." Like, <laughs> well, so- maybe maybe <laughs> if, if, if you look at it that way. Uh- yeah, well, that's usually uh, the, the case as far as uh, uh, it, it's the people left behind that are hurting, you know. The people that are gone, they're not hurting. <laughs> oh, know, yeah. I, I learned that. But one thing I did learn, you know, they asked me, you know, what's it like getting old? And uh, it's what you make it, you know. You can fight it you know or you can embrace it and uh, the best thing to do is embrace it now don't stop walking and don't stop working out or don't stop doing your routine whatever it is you know but as far as your attitude goes you know we've been taught since the beginning of of mankind you know that uh, you know the best way to uh, to exist in this world is by helping others. And if you do that, then, then you're, you're in good shape. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, I've, I've taken a lot of influence because I listened to our interview, uh, like at least eight times and it's a two hour long interview. And by the way, I want to publicly say, I'm really sorry for it being two hours long. Like I lost track of time. That was unprofessional on my part for not stopping it at 55 or so I, I, I apologize. But I also want to say that I've had people who haven't hit me up in like 12, 13 years, hit me up to tell me what an incredible podcast episode that was and how great of a job Tommy did. Nothing about me, but just how, <laughs> how great oh. you did. And so I was just like, like <laughs> so, um, but, but, but it was your show and it was, uh, you could hit the off button anytime you wanted, but you just kept it on, <laughs> you know, no, congratulations. No, no, you know, again, talking about being old, uh, one of the problems that we have is that when we do get talking, it's hard to shut us up, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or Mexicans. Mexicans, you can't shut us up either. (laughs) Oh, oh, for sure. Old Mexican. (laughs) I I saw a uh, a movie premiere of, um, what's it called? Easter? Happy Easter? Uh, Anyway, it's about Easter. Uh, Joe Coy, the Filipino uh, comedian. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Joe Coy. Yeah, he sells out arenas. <laughs> well, 
and we went to his movie last night and i gotta tell you it was pretty spectacular that's it's awesome a, it's a real movie and uh and if you want to learn about the filipino culture <laughs> that's your movie to go to what's funny about that is that movie takes place in daily city if i'm not mistaken and oh that's where i kept thinking is that vancouver Oh, <laughs> it's always yeah. foggy there. And I grew up there. So like in the Bay Area. So like sometimes um, people say really messed up things like people say, hey, do you know why it's always uh, foggy in Daly City? It's like, why? It's like, oh, because everybody has the rice cookers on. <laughs> and I didn't make that up. <laughs> I didn't make that up. That was just something that like was said. Uh, for for daily city or or, or uh, daily shitty and it's like you know people no no and I'm not talking shit about the movie I'm just talking shit about the town um, I have friends <laughs> from daily city it's actually really beautiful um, actually don't like the sun so for me it's perfect that's always foggy so uh, I hope everybody I, gets... I, I lived there I lived in daily city for a couple of months actually back in the sixties yeah yeah I, was... I know all about the fog I know all about the fog and I also know all about the 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 citizen taxi like if you stood on a certain corner this car would stop and pick you up and you would have a lot of other people in the car with you a lot of them are mostly immigrants and uh and that was their taxi uh it's uh it was like uh, unlicensed uh and it was just like community people you know uh, <laughs> I, I was in jamaica one time and uh, we rented a house and and I would drive from the house to the beach every day. And then one day there were some hitchhikers. So I picked them up, the Jamaican hitchhikers. And then they said, oh, man, you know, thank you, man, for the ride. What time will you be going home? <laughs> and I said, oh, you know, around supper time. Okay, man, we'll be here. <laughs> and so <laughs> next thing you know, I was a taxi for these Jamaicans. <laughs> I'd pick them up, drive them to the beach, and then at the end of the day, they would be waiting for me to drive them home. <laughs> oh my God! That and that was in the '60s. Driving around these were they Rastafarians or were they just Jamaican and were they like weed friendly or how was they were? Oh, they were told everybody in Jamaica at that time was very weed friendly. But no, they're just Jamaicans. You know, this is what you do with the community. You know, oh, someone's got a car. Okay. Listen, man, I need to borrow your car. You know, can you help me? You know, that's the way you, uh, I grew up in neighborhoods like that, you know. And, and uh, yeah, if you had a, oh, and if you had a truck, oh, my God. <laughs> you had to hide that sucker because <laughs> now you're really busy. <laughs> oh, oh, man, yeah. The, the trucks, like, everybody asks you, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, can, you yeah. help me move, can you help me move a couch? It's like, no, I got back problems. And I got other shit going on that day. And even if I didn't have back problems, no, you're asking me a lot. It's, I'll, you know, I'll give you pizza and beer. It's like, you know, God forbid, you, you know, give me some weed, you know, or, or, or some 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 edibles or something that's just, you know, going to be worth the worth the ride, you know, because I'll help you move if I'm high as fuck. You know, like well, <laughs> in, in, in the poor in the poor neighborhoods, uh, they usually give you a meal. You know, come on over for supper, or you know, or well, I'll cook for you. That's how they do. It. In fact, I'm doing a um, what do you call it? A, a cameo, a, like a little thing for a guy's music, a music video, mm -hmm. and uh, and the payment is a meal. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> from, a, from a French chef. Oh, oh, wow. That's oh, that's very bougie. OK, yeah, that yeah. was oh, OK. I didn't know if it was like somebody who was like hard up and you're just like, you know, helping them all due respect. You know, I don't know the situation, but I just thought, you know, it's just like, no, I'll just take a meal. But it's like, oh, it sounds like a very nice meal for a nice trade. And so, yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. uh, I was going to ask you a, a question that um, is relevant to what's going on now. That's been happened that happened in the past. So uh, during the alcohol prohibition, uh, the U.S. government purposely poisoned beer and killed approximately 15,000 Americans. So I was wondering. Really? Yeah. How did they, how did they poison the beer? Uh, they would deliberately poison um, barrels and then put them with the mix. And so whoever like people would get tainted beer at pubs. And so they would blame him on uh, moonshiners and people that oh. were making them. And the, But no, no, no. They were like from. Uh, I mean, they were all speakeasies at the time or like, you know, beer makers from whatever companies they knew how to make beer. They still know how to ferment some people make their own brew at home still. So uh, during this time, um, the the government uh, knowingly poisoned Americans, you know, because they were so against the prohibition of alcohol. So I'm wondering, because of all the recent fatalities associated with fentanyl laced drugs, do you think that there's a correlation between the laced fentanyl drugs and government control? Knowing the government, I would say these are the guys that delete their phones uh, during emergency <laughs> uh, insurrections. <laughs> so, so I don't really give, I can't give anybody in the government credit for the only, I mean, we elected Trump. Need I say anything more about American brain power? You know, we elected a guy that told everybody that he would meet women and grab them by the pussy because he was famous. He admitted that and he still got elected. So I got no faith in the brain power of either the gov the government or the or the, the the people. You know what what's keeping America afloat, you know, is the stupidity, the level of stupidity that that is on the other side. You know, when I say the other side, I'm I'm talking about the the white nationalist, the racist, you know, the, the Trumpies, you know. Now I, I I I'm I was born like a Trumpy, you know. I, I'm a perfect guy except that in my travels I've I've learned a, a little bit. And, and I even have a tattoo that's a white nationalist tattoo that I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I and the, the reason I got it was that the guy, I was kind of using my house as a halfway house for prisoners, you know, that had nowhere to go after they got out of jail. And, uh, and he, he was actually one of the first. I met him at a party, a real, real nice guy. He showed me how to tear a, a, a phone book in half. You know, there was a oh my God. And he, he showed me how to do it. He, he was strong, really. <laughs> Really good-looking guy. He looked like a movie actor, 
and uh, and he had tattoos, homemade tattoos all over his body, on his knuckle, everywhere. And he was covered with tattoos. And so when he lived at my house, he said, come on, let me give you a tattoo. And I said, yeah, hey, young 15-year-old kid, hey, why not? You know, so, so I got me a, a little tattoo on my, my shoulder, this one here. And, uh, and if you look at it closely, you can see it's a Nazi uh, eagle. That looks like an eagle to me. And like, yeah. you know, I might be a little biased, but like, I'm just like, it's a cute little eagle. But then it's just yeah. like. <laughs> I, I it, it was surrounded by stars, but I, I had a biker many, many years ago. Look at my tattoo. We're on the radio station. And he goes, that's a white nationalist tattoo. And I look, it sure is. So I was going to get it altered and changed, you know. And my and my son, you know, he's he's like an artist, and he said, "No, Dad, that's OG, you know, don't mess it up." You know? <laughs> Just as a, as an artist, you're not going to yeah. ruin the work, Dad. Yeah, 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 Dad, yeah. that's somebody's hard work. Okay, he went out of his way to give you that to, tattoo in the joint. And by the way, you got that tattoo in the joint. Were you ever scared of like hepatitis, or was or, or was it just like fuck it, I'm in prison? No, he no, he was in he was he was uh, he had done time in prison. Oh, and then then he would come and stay at my house at like a halfway house. Oh, uh, and I was still in school, and I met him at a party one time. He he just had nowhere to stay, and you know, growing up in the country, uh, if you got to spare anything, you, you lend it or give it give it away. So so he ended up renting a house, renting a a bed basically in our house and he lived there for uh, well, about a year i guess and then he got married and uh, he went very straight you know and uh, he just died a few years ago uh, and i wrote about him in a book and so his his uh, relatives you know they were all excited you know that his their grandpa was in in a book you know that tommy chung wrote <clears throat> and uh, and so they got contacted me and, and luckily, I, I, I had a, a chance to talk to him just before he died, but he was so out of it, he could barely remember anything. Oh. And, uh, and you know, you know, you change over the over the years. But, oh, he was he he told me some of the the most incredible stories about being in jail in the 50s in Canada, in, in Lethbridge, Alberta. Uh, they had a silent system. And when you walked into the jail, there was a sign over the jail that said, you do not speak unless uh, you have permission. You could not speak. You couldn't make a sound unless you had permission from the guards. And so that, that was the beginning of it. And that was the same prison. Now, this is back in the 50s, early 50s, <clears throat> where... Uh, when they needed to execute somebody, they would build the gallows in the yard and hang them in in in, in the prison yard. Uh, and it was uh, and, oh, and and if you were convicted of rape, you get sentenced to lashes, the cat and nine tails, and you got whatever four or five lashes, or even fifteen, twenty. You know, depends on the severity of the crime. And if you broke the silent rule, they had a, 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 a like a 
gymnast horse. They would strap you over the gymnast horse, pull your pants down, and then whack you with a five foot, uh, like a cricket bat. Oh my God. On the ass. And it was made out of an alloy of leather and, uh, and, I don't know, whatever, but it was, it was like a big, huge uh, belt, you know, a machine like that you would use to run machinery. And, and prisoners were so afraid of that being whacked like that, because once you get one whack would put you on your belly sleeping for six months before you could heal enough to, to lay on your back. <clears throat> That's the kind of prison that my buddy grew up in. And, and, and he taught me how to sing quietly because he had a beautiful <laughs> voice. He had a beautiful voice, but because of the silent system, he, could, he would sing very quietly. <laughs> and, uh, and so we would, in, in, in our bedroom, you know, I would play the guitar and he would sing beautiful Hank Williams songs, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was my first taste of, of the, you know, meeting someone that had done time. And then, I, then after that, I met, a, uh, you know, then the word got out that I was friendly to prisoners and, uh, and my family too, my mother, like an angel. And so she would, we took in a couple more and all the prisoners, they were the ideal uh, tenants. It wasn't until I got into rock and roll and, 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 uh, and I had a singer, uh, you know, descendant from the slaves, you know, black Canadian, mm -hmm. but a football player. But he wasn't as well trained as, as the prisoners, you know, because he never had that, that, that prison training. And so uh, he, he wasn't the best tenant. You know, like he never paid rent like the other ones did on time, you know, and you'd have to uh, tell them what, what needed to be done. The prisoners, boy, they would clean the house and they would help my mother and uh, visit with her. And, well, actually, they used her as a mother, you know. And uh, yeah, I learned, a, I, I learned a lot. And I think that's one of the reasons that, that, that I ended up in prison. It was like, this was a foreshadowing of what, what was to come with my life later on. Like I was 15 when the guy gave me the tattoo, but uh, uh, yeah, I, when it came time to make a choice, you know, because I didn't have to go to jail for the bombs, you know, I could have fought it because I was innocent, but the government, the government said that they would go after my wife and my son if i didn't plead guilty you know so so when you talk about the government doing that yeah i i, I can see I, i'm not so sure about the poisoning I, I i you know they don't have they had no respect for human for poor people you know and, and it's the same way that's what's going on now i do caution though uh, watching the the um the rumor mill, you know, like the Trump putting out the fact that he was, the election was stolen from him. Now I hope you're I hope you're not a, a an election denier. No, nor a um, 
What's it called? Birth certificate denier either. Okay. Obama, yeah, I believe, was born in Hawaii. I'll go on record. <laughs> I don't know. But, 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 but you, you see the tactics. That's what they've always done with people of color and, and people of minorities. You know, they just did put out rules that just affected the minorities. You know, that's that's what all the drug rules were all about, you know. And for a couple of reasons, same thing as the booze. Uh, the the government was pissed off because they weren't making any money, you know. The gangsters were making all the money, and the and the rev and the people that made their own home brew, you know, they were just trying to live their life, you know. I mean, alcohol. You know, the reason for alcohol in America, especially, it came from the old world, and and the reason was that you know, there were so many plagues and so many diseases going around in the old world and water got a lot to blame for. And so when the settlers came to America, uh, they would plant apples and grow apples so you could have apple cider. And so Johnny Appleseed, uh, you remember him? Yeah, uh, he was a guy that made sure. You know, everybody was thinking, "Oh, it's an apple a day. You just need an apple brine." No, no, it was to make alcohol drinks, <laughs> apple cider. That's why uh, they had uh, the the Johnny Appleseed. I learned all this, uh, uh, you know, just through uh, my phone and Twitter and uh, and you know, just research and just being old enough to to pick up some some knowledge but that's why the the prohibition happened you know because rightly so the puritans you know the the health nuts you know the the ones that go against uh, gluten now you know the gluten freaks uh they they knew alcohol was destroying american fabric in, in so many ways you know and that's why uh, we had we had prohibition because they try to yeah you know, again they try to eliminate everything and, and and again it was a racist law prohibition was very racist against the Italians the French uh, the Jews uh, yeah and any Slavic nations you know they, they for a long time you know they they were discriminated against you know. And and then uh, yeah, so that's that's the same as uh, the marijuana prohibition. You know, you know we know that hemp was legal all during the '40s, and then it wasn't until the I guess the the early '50s that uh, Hearst came up with this anti-Mexican, uh, anti-Spanish thing, and that's why he calls it marijuana. You know, because up until then it was like cannabis or hemp, you know, or reefer. <laughs> but but when it when the black population got into it and uh, and the Mexican uh, population were using it, that was it. They had a you know America had to put a a, a tax on it basically, you know, and then it gave them reason to incarcerate people like me. You know, so why do you think nonviolent marijuana offenders like yourself get more time than sex offenders? Well, because we're, we're 
the prison, see, when you go to the prison, you're a slave. You become a slave to the system. And and just like, uh, you know, Africa, (laughs) the reason we got so many huge football players and basketball players is that when they bought a slave, they made sure he was big, strong and healthy, you know. And uh, and as a result, you know, they called the weak weak ones on on the boat over, or even even before when they captured them, you know, they just went for the big, strong, hardy ones that could withstand all the hardships. And and, and that and what was the question? Um, <clears throat> about how not why do nonviolent sex offenders? Uh, I'm sorry, nonviolent marijuana offenders serve more time than sex offenders because like sometimes well, because sex- they're, yeah, they're they're intelligent. when when I was in prison, uh, all the potheads were running the prison, you know, literally, you know, because they're together people. you know, I mean, when you evolve to the point where you can grow a plant like him and uh, market it and, and that you you have a a great deal of brain brains working you know it takes a lot of skill to do what marijuana growers do <clears throat> if you've ever tried to grow pot yeah you know, it's not that easy <clears throat> and it takes dedication it takes everything and and so the marijuana people in the prisons they're, they're the ones who usually in the front office you know and anybody in the front office of anywhere they're the ones that they know what's going on, you know, and they know how to get all the perks. And, and that's what, I, when I was in prison, I hung out with people like, he, uh, my buddy, Eric, he's a, a golf caddy now, but he was so intelligent. I don't know how many degrees he has, you know, he, he's been to university and he's, he's a very brilliant guy. Well, he, yeah. As soon as I came in there, he took me under his wing and he says, okay, you're with us. And, and he, he, had, he was in charge of a garden where we grew uh, produce for uh, the, the food banks in, uh, in Bakersfield. And he had the best garden. He grew onions, red peppers, and, and then uh, everything you, you needed to be healthy and and that's how we ate every night we had our own private dining room because everybody would be in the mess hall and we would eat in the tv room where they had a bank of television sets on the on the wall and uh yeah so when you say it's a the potheads and or the marijuana people that get busted more so because they're ideal prison prisoners they're not going to hurt the guard. They're not crazy. They're, they're people that, for one reason or another, get caught up. Well, the, the basketball player in uh, Russia right yeah. now is a good example. You know, she, she was doing it for her medicine, like I do, you know. Uh, and, uh, and when she got busted, she got busted because she was black. And because... Uh, that that you know that and thanks to America that marijuana trap is around the world, you know, that's what they that's what they bust people in, in Indonesia, uh, in Thai, it used to be in Thailand. Now Thai you can get a, a medical uh, thing, but really, but it, yeah, yeah, Thai they went legal medically. 
Okay, but is that I, I thought that was like one of those countries where they would execute somebody if they would do marijuana there or, or that's that, China. That's China. Okay. That's China and Indonesia to some extent. But all companies, wow. all, all places, no matter what you've done, if you can buy your way out, they're not going to kill you. It's they'll they'll kill drug people that sell drugs in China because they they consider that you know they're worthless to to as a, as a commodity. You see, Americans are they don't America doesn't realize that there's targets on Americans, you know. Because you can, well, the government will give up whatever they have to give up to get you back, you know. And if it's money, you know, so be it, you know. Uh, and, and that's how these, like Thailand, uh, if you get in the prison system, you're, you're screwed for some reason, you know. If you can't buy your way out and you end up going to a Thai prison, you're really in trouble because those... Uh, Prisons. See, they never had prisons like in China back in the day. Remember, you, you've seen those things, the, I think the Kamog or what are they called, where they put this wooden thing around your, your neck and, oh, and your. For public your humiliation? Like, uh, well, it's public humiliation. What it is is that you can't feed yourself, you see, and you're not going to go anywhere, you know. So, yeah. so, so that's why they do that. Well, in China, See, they would hold people until they passed sentence on them. And usually the sentence was death, you know, because they had no place to, to warehouse these people. It wasn't until America, the, the, the Puritans, the Quakers, come up with this idea of a place to go pay penance. And thus they came up with penitentiary. That's where penitentiary comes from, from the word penance, where you get locked in a cell like a monk, and uh, and then you uh, think of what you've done, and then you know uh, you you repent, and you become a better person. I mean that's that's a theory, and it works. By the way, you leave people alone locked up for a while, they will change their evil ways. You know, be it a child molester or whatever. For the most part, you know, uh, maybe maybe not the sex crimes, you know, but the the, the worst thing you could be in a prison is a, is a sex offender. That's why they gotta they gotta isolate them because everybody in the prison system, when they want to kill somebody, once you go to prison, the prison owns you, and and the government can't do a thing about it. And they won't do a thing about it. You know, there, when I was in, in jail, there were many, a good handful, if not more, of people that should have been released. But the prison, for some reason, just didn't want to go through the, the even, you know, what, whatever, looking up the guy's record or whatever, you know, maybe the guy or, or the girl uh, was some kind of did some something wrong against the prison but they own you and they own you life or death you could die and that's the trouble with a lot of the sex offenders you know the word gets out the, the gangs and everything else in the prisons will we'll hunt down a predator you know because 
these these uh, especially child molester. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's the worst tag you can have. That is, or any sex offender. That that's the worst tag you can have on your record. You know, look look what it did to Cosby. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I I I cannot believe that. I can't believe any of that. And then that he got out within three years, like, holy shit. Like, you know, he would have got more time if he, you know, would have been growing a fucking pot farm like in 2015. I can't believe he got a. I think he just got a 500,000 judgment civil suit, but he's not going to do time for that. No, no. Uh, Is that what happened? He got 500,000 against him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they got our uh, a woman got that for um, what was the court determined that she was raped or date raped at the age of 16 at, uh, inside the Playboy Mansion. So I guess for whatever reason, this uh, courthouse kind of near my house or near enough where we were hearing helicopters for a couple of days, you know, while he was uh, in court. Or while that procession was going, I don't even know if he was actually in court, but I know that the helicopters were there and there was a trial going on because I know sometimes they could have the lawyers represent you. And I know sometimes that the you have to be there. But I, well, well <laughs> you know, Cosby shows you what money can do, you know, because they kept him out of jail for a long time. And then when he did go to jail, they put that they put that time bomb in there. You know, they knew it was in there, but they knew also knew that he would have to do at least two, two to three years before they could, you know, activate the bomb, which was an agreement that if he testified in a uh, civil suit, that they couldn't use that against him in a, in a criminal suit, which is illegal. Because you commit a crime, man, you can't tell anybody not to use it. But what they did in uh, in Cosby's case, they, they, uh, they they re- actually lied and knew and knew they lied and and, and, uh, and it was a deal it was a behind the scenes deal with the prosecution and everything else because the truth is when you got the kind of money Cosby has everybody's trying to get you free that's why uh, uh, what, what what's the guy that died uh, and his girlfriend got time in jail um, Jeffrey uh, Epstein. Uh, Epstein. Yeah. See, Epstein, Epstein went through the same thing because he had money. When Whatever time he did, he, he would go home. He'd have his own driver. They would He would spend the day in jail and go home at night. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a farce because yeah. he, he, he could pay, uh, pay the money. Well, in Cosby's case, he had to uh, um, do at least two, three years in jail. But that's not going to, I mean, the, the truth is, I don't know uh, Cosby's uh, uh, in, investments or whatever. He was pretty smart, you know. Uh, so I'm quite sure he still has enough investments. My daughter and, and Bill were, were quite close, you know, good friends. And, and in the beginning, when all that shit started happening, she would deny that Cosby ever come on to her. But then uh, after he got ended up in jail, then she came clean and said, yeah, he, he did come on to her, but my daughter is so hip, you know, uh, she wasn't gullible or alone because, you know, being my daughter, 
you know, the Cosby knew that there would be ramifications. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow, what a uh, yeah. Oh, what a scumbag! Especially if he knows your daughter through you. And um, I don't know what the situation is. It's just, but like, if you meet somebody and then you go after their daughter, it's different if you would have met her in a different situation, like you know, in a recording studio or an executive, or I don't know, something like that. But like, uh, when somebody brings them in, I, I don't know. I, I mean, either way, it's still very scummy, very, very dirty feeling. Well, like she was, she she worked with him on uh, "You Bet Your Life." She was his uh, on-screen uh, assistant. Renford, he called her, and uh, but but Bill, you know, there there's a, a sickness that he has, obviously, and uh, uh, you know, very deep and uh, and obviously, you know, because when you when you risk <laughs> your your livelihood, you know, for for rape, you know, it's 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 a sickness. You know, I yeah, and the worst part is like he would make them incapacitated, so it's yeah. like pretty much like they're lifeless. And like my yeah. dad, my dad gave me the consent talk before the birds and the bees talk. You know, yeah. my my dad said that when it comes to women, you either want to take them out and get them to like you, or you got to pay for it. You got to get a hooker, but you never steal it. You never yeah, steal yeah, it. So yeah, that was, yeah. I, I, I can, I can see, uh, you know, I, in Cosby's case, and in, in, uh, in, you know, anybody growing up in the ghetto, uh, I can see you being damaged early. I, I grew up very poor, and so I, I had a taste of, of of being unsupervised because that's what happens when you're growing up poor. You're unsupervised, and and you can be unsupervised at a very early age, you know. If your mother's a junkie or your father's, a, you know, alcoholic and, and you're left on your own devices. I've been in ghettos where I watched a little toddler, you know, a little two and a half year old toddler really get his own breakfast, uh, some porridge off the stove. Oh, my God. And and, and I, I watched it. I watched it in my, my own eyes. And I was in the same house. You could see three stories up through the holes in the floor, and and my the little friend that I befriended. What happened when we were playing the club there? Uh, you get out of the car, and there, there are all these little ghetto kids around. They want to carry your guitar. Hey, can I carry your guitar and from the car to the to the stage door? And you give them a tip. You give them a few bucks. And so I had this little guy named Iggy. And he would carry my guitar and I'd give him a few bucks and I'd become friends with him because uh, that's the way I am. You know, I'm very, I, I'm very curious, you know, and I never had a little ghetto friend before. And he was so proud of me. He said, will you come home? I want you to meet my mother. You know, and I said, okay, yeah. And so I, I went to his house and, oh my God, I, the, the gar there was so much garbage in, in the back. You couldn't open the back door. Oh, no. And the back door, they had an old dog tied up. Uh, and, uh, and and the mother was like, she was like out of it, you know, just nodding. She was so stoned. And, and, and so the kid came in and showed me where he slept. And then what he had me do, he, he liked my shoes and he wanted me to 
buy him shoes like I had. And so I did. I bought him a pair of shoes. Well, he had to sleep with the shoes tied around his neck at night. So no one would steal them because in that house, he would steal it. So I, I, I got a lesson on that. And, and I took the whole gang. There's a gang of them. And, and, and they kind of got me into the gang. And you know, here's what they would do. They, 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 a couple of, you know, they had little bicycles, you know, and these the little mixed kid and this other one, they pull up in a, a bicycle and they say, do you want to fight? The guy's okay. And they start fist fighting and they have a fist fight and it's full on contact, you know, and, you know, no, no rules, <laughs> just, just a ordinary fight, but it was like boxing. And, and until one kid gets gets stopped with a with a good shot, and, and then that, they would break it up themselves. They would fight each other to get that toughness, to get tough enough so that they could uh, live in the in the ghetto the way they did. And so when I took them out to eat, it was so cute. They all they all had their manners. They all went to the bathroom. They washed their hands. And they sat down. Took off their the they they would they never wore shirts they either have the t-shirts tied up like a hat uh, and uh, but they they all because we're inside the restaurant you know they all had their little shirts on they went to the bathroom they're so cute they washed up and everything else and when the waitress came they knew exactly what to order you know and like little adults you know and so i i had that time with them but i but the, the thing is about the ghetto and, and, and the drugs, it, it, it really immobilizes people, you know, uh, that's what the heroin does, you know, and, and they would just sit there and nod out and uh, just enjoy the high, I guess, until they had, until they start coming down, then they start looking for their, for their next high and, and they're trapped in that in that world. That's why later on when I became a comedian, I started to, I had the good fortune of hanging with uh, Lenny Bruce's uh, ex-road manager. In fact, wow. when Cheech and I, when we, first time we went on stage at the Red Fox Club in, in LA, uh, the uh, uh, Lenny Bruce had died about a year, a few months, maybe a year earlier. And his whole entourage was sitting in the audience, uh, kind of wow. <laughs> looking for the next Lenny. And then Cheech and I came on stage and Tony Vizcarra, Lenny Bruce's road manager at one time, he was his, his father-in-law. He had married Lenny's uh, mother. And, uh, and Tony came up and he became a friend until he died. He OD'd eventually. Oh, no. And so, so one time I was talking to Tony. And Tony was the best uh, friend I could have, especially in the comedy, because he was so honest. Because <laughs> he had been with Lenny. And so, you know, just when you, you, know, you do a good audition or, or you go to do a good open mic night, you know. And, yeah. And you start bragging about it. <laughs> and, 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 and Tony Tony would tell us, man, you ain't done shit. <laughs> he said, when those people, 
When you see his attire, when you make, that's why I told Tony, well, well when, when can we, you say you made it, you know? Because, you know, making people laugh in a room, you know, and getting a standing ovation, you know, I, that should tell you something. But he said, nah. He says, until, <laughs> until that lineup is there to see you. He says, you ain't done shit. All you've done is entertain a crowd that's already there. You know, and they want to be entertained anyway, so you ain't done shit. <laughs> I, I I went to this burlesque show recently. I got this uh, once. I do it once a month now. So um, uh, I wanted to ask you because uh, early on you used to open up for burlesque and strippers or, or strippers. I know they're different. Uh, or exotic dancers, I should say. You used to open up uh, for exotic dancers, and I want. I would like to know how you would describe that experience of being a comedian and competing with your jokes against scantily dressed women slash naked women bouncing around. Well, we were the relief. <laughs> See, when you get a, but it depends on your bit, you know, if you're there to make people laugh. Yes. See, that was, that was always my, see, before I got into comedy, I hung with a lot of jazz musicians as a musician myself. Yeah. And, and every jazz musician I've ever met, they've always got the best joke. They have the best timing. They know how to tell a joke, just like they know how to play their instrument. They have the most respect for good comedy. That's why Lenny Bruce was uh, doing his best work in jazz clubs because it was the jazz guys that were his audience for the most part, because they were the ones that got his jokes, you know, a lot of the drunks in the, in the audience, you know, they come to see the girls, you know, <laughs> they weren't that, that thrilled. Well, what we did, I, what I did, I, we had a strip joint. I had Vancouver's first uh, strip joint in, in, in Canada. I, no, Montreal was ahead of me, uh, but say in Western Canada for sure. And we had they had some little chicken shit rules, you know. We had to wear pasties and that. Oh, no. But I got involved in the strip world, mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I kind of I knew that that whole that whole feeling, uh, you know, that whole routine, you know, because I'd played music. Uh, for strippers and that, and then I watched comedians come up and, and entertain, you know, and so so I, I really had a, a lock on it, you know. Uh, I, that was my early early training was sitting and watching, uh, and and that's that's and and it's you know musicians, you know, we're, like I found out about Dylan, I found something up Bob Dylan that just made now makes all the sense in the world, Bob Dylan. He could sing like he, he was musically gifted from the time he was born. He could hear a song and know the song word for word, note for note on one hearing, one hearing. And, and when he first started playing, he would copy all the hip parade songs that were out there. And that was his, his act more or less. When he got, when he heard Woody Guthrie, and then uh, everything just all came to, the light bulb went on. Here's a guy 
that didn't really have a singing voice per se. You know, he wasn't Johnny Massett's for sure. And 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 here's a guy that didn't need a band. He just had a guitar. And and I don't know if he even had the harp. But when Dylan saw that, and then the guy wrote his own songs, and the way he had the people listen was to sing it more like a guy that can't sing, but <laughs> wants to get the words up. You know, wants people to hear the words, yeah. you know, because there's some singers, that, you know, their voices are so beautiful. You don't hear the lyrics. You you hear the lyrics, but you don't you don't put them together. Like there's a song called What Now, My Love? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what now, my love? Now that it's over, I feel the walls closing in on me. Well, that's a sad song. But it was always sung by these beautiful people with great voices. And so, so you're humming along and, and you don't really realize that the guy is dying. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> his wife, is, his, his girlfriend left him. He's got nothing, uh, you know. And, and, and it's so sad. And, and then the Vegas singers would take it. It went down by the... Hey, how's the steak? Good, all right. Well, that it's over. <laughs> hey, don't forget, we got another show coming up here. And I feel the walls closing in on me. Hey, good to see you. You know what I'm saying? Well, what Dylan found out, that you have to act, not just sing. You have to act the part. So if you're singing a protest song, you can't sound like Johnny Mathis and, and because you, you're, you're going to get people confused with the beauty of your voice. And so Dylan came up with that raspy Dylan voice. That, that, but the words overpowered, the message overpowered the singer. And that's what he wanted to do. And Dylan, by the way, is... Uh, he deserves every bit of that Nobel Prize Peace Prize that he got for his songs. <clears throat> no, he is a he is a, one of the marvels of of, of our planet. <clears throat> when you look at what he's done, you know, just almost like Bill Russell, you know, in the mass, the basketball guy. Uh, it, it took days, really, to list all his accomplishments, you know. That he was the first this, first that, that, and Dylan's in the in 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 that 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 spirit, you know, of of being anointed, you know. No, I I, I met Dylan. I played basketball with him one time. Uh, he his his wife was coming over to my house. We were doing Tai Chi. We were learning how to do Tai Chi, and Dylan heard about it, but he didn't want to do Tai Chi. But he also heard that I played basketball. I had a basketball uh, set up in my house uh, in the garage. And so uh, he heard about that. So he s said he wanted to play, uh, you know, play basketball with Cheech and Chong. And so we, we had, a, we had a, a, a day. He came over. We played. And then we went into my sauna. And I, we sat there and shared a joint. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a memorable time. And especially when he, he tried to drive on me and I just, <laughs> I, was, I, piled it, 
I filed the shit out of him, but I he couldn't <laughs> so get out of here with that sissy shit, boy. <laughs> oh my god, just dunking on Bob Dylan. That's 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 great. Um <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. Oh my god, that's so funny. Oh my god. Uh speaking of celebrities, uh you and your band, uh, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's helped discover the Jackson Five, and you guys, and you guys. Well, we did. It doesn't help. We 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 did. We discovered them. Oh, okay, sorry. And, Let me... and, and, and to Bobby's credit, Bobby took the boys and Joe, mm-hmm. took them to Detroit because we saw them in in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Had the boys come to Detroit, stay at Bobby's house or his apartment in detroit and and at the same time my daughters were staying there too so i can safely say that my daughter slept with michael jackson (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then i but then after michael's uh, little thing with the kids i i i I, I, I took that off the itinerary, you know. <laughs> <laughs> At least you have morals. Some comics would no. be like, that's a solid three minutes or whatever long it is, seven minutes. <laughs> Bobby Taylor really was the guy that said, hey, come on, you stay at my house and, and we'll sign you. We'll get you signed with Motown. That's what Bobby told the Jackson Five. Because what happened, they won a contest, a school contest, and, and the, the prize, winning prize, was opening up for uh, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's singing their hit song, Does Your Mama Know About Me, and Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler and Bobby uh, Taylor, we uh, co-headlined. And then the Jackson Five came in to open the show. And so we were there wow. when they opened the show, and, uh, and they, did, they sang My Girl. And as good as, if not better than the Temptations. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing him. It was like, oh my God, the a little Michael. He had the lead voice, man, and he was the smallest of them all. And he's belting out the, the this voice. Oh, Oof. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, oh. and I told Cheech. You know, Cheech knew the story, but Cheech was a, 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 a is very skeptical about everything. Uh, and I realized a lot of people are skeptical uh, because a lot of people make up shit. And so people that make up shit always expect other people to make up shit, too. Yeah. And so uh, when I met Cheech, I was probably one of the only guys that he ever met that didn't make up shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I know. I know a series of bullshitters that cannot fucking tell the truth if their life depended on it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, my question leading up to that was have not little Michael Jackson when you met him, but uh, uh, did you ever smoke weed with him as an adult? You know, I met Michael one time after he grew up. And uh, yeah, it was around the, the glove era when he had the glove. Mm-hmm. Remember? I don't know if you remember that phase, but he would wear a glove everywhere he went. Yeah, just one glove, though. One yeah, glove. the one yeah. glove. Yeah. Fingerless. He was, uh, yeah. Uh, he was like a, a, a trendsetter, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, 
we were being honored. We had won a Grammy, and and so they were honoring all the Grammy winners at the at the Roxy. And and so Michael was at the Roxy, and we were in the dressing room uh, at the Roxy. No, actually, it was uh, the top of the Roxy. It was a private club, and Michael was up there with 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 Teach and I. And uh, the only thing Michael said to me was, uh, "Tommy, do you think Bobby's funny?" <laughs> and, and, and around that time, you know, the way he said it was, <laughs> I, I interpreted that I think Bobby was gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Not actually funny. Ha ha. Like, no. like oh, like gay. Okay. And um, I said, and so I said, probably. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, the guy and, has like 20 kids in 20 and, different states. And Cheech, Cheech was astounded because <laughs> Cheech exaggerates. And uh, and so when I would tell people that I, you know, helped discover the Jackson 5, you know, he always took, yeah, yeah, sure, sure you did. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, well, then he met Michael, and then he found out. He asked Michael, and then did we discover them? And Michael said, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, everything I said was true. See, I don't lie. I, I don't lie. And the reason I don't lie is that my truths are way better than any lie I could ever tell. You know, I what, what, love what that. really happened to me is way like the time I met uh, um, Muhammad Ali. I don't know if I told it the last story that I was on, but I don't know. Uh, no. But anyway, <laughs> um, what happened? Uh, Muhammad Ali was going around town, uh, around the America, uh, you know, giving talks to the students, you know, because he couldn't fight. He was giving lectures. He was lecturing. And so I, you talk about strippers. Uh, it was an old st <laughs> a stripper friend of mine, Lady Scarlet. She, I, I, we're on the phone. We talk every once in a while. And so she said, Tommy, you'll never guess who I was with last night. Okay, I, I give up who. She goes, Muhammad Ali. We had a wonderful night. Oh, it was great. I said, oh, wow. And, and and I says, uh, oh, and then I said, well, it's weird because he's he's in Detroit now, yeah. And anyway, she told me what happened. And so then Bobby Taylor calls me up right after that and says, hey, come on over the house, champ. The champ's coming over. Well, Bobby had told me uh, before that he went to the Olympics with with uh, uh, Muhammad Ali. Now. There's a few. The reason people really didn't believe a lot of things Bobby said was because Bobby had a couple of identities before we met him. For instance, he was in a singing group. He was a ringer in a singing group that <laughs> that had uh, competed in a contest uh, for for the armed services. And so, in order to be a singer, you had to be in the armed services. 
And so they got Bobby and they lied. And we gave him a phony ID and said that he was uh, in the armed services. Well, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby had such a great voice yeah. that that they recorded a song called Been So Long by the Pastels. Now, when you play this back, remember, Been So Long <clears throat> by the Pastels. <clears throat> when you Google it, mm -hmm. you'll hear this beautiful song that would be perfect for the pandemic, by the way. Because it's about <laughs> someone that hadn't seen each other for years. And, oh. You know, been so long since I held you tight. You know, it's a beautiful <laughs> song. And it's Bobby's voice. And it came, they came in second. They never won it, but they came in <laughs> second. Oh, my God. <laughs> behind, behind Come Go With Me by another group, you know. Come, 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 go with me. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, Bobby, so I knew he was at the Olympics with Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali, now I don't know how he got there or what name he used, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> Muhammad Ali definitely knew Bobby Taylor to the point where he's coming over to visit Bobby. And so Bobby called me up and I just talked to uh, Scarlett. <laughs> I, I drive over to Bobby's place and yet park and then get in the elevator. I get in the elevator and all of a sudden Muhammad Ali runs to get in the same elevator. And so we're in the elevator and and I can hear Scarlett's voice in my head, you know, oh man, he was wonderful, he was great. And so I said to him on the way up, I said, Lady Scarlett says to say hi. <laughs> and <laughs> We hadn't talked. We hadn't looked at each other. Even he looked at me like I was a ghost. <laughs> and his eyes got all big. As the mouth got big, he looks at me, and then the doors opened, and we were there. <laughs> and so, we, so then we ended up walking to the same place <laughs> because not not only the ghost told and caught him in the elevator, but now we're walking to the same place. It was so funny. And then we took pictures and he, uh, Bobby introduced me and everything else. And, and we took the boxing picture, you know, and I lost it. I don't know where that picture went to, but it disappeared. The, and uh, yeah, it was it was a trip. The, and we knew I never talked to Muhammad about it after that. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was it was our, our secret, you know. Oh, my God. You 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 have thousands of celebrity stories would you ever consider something like telling celebrity stories and turning it into like a like like a like a i don't know like a chat with the uh, with the people involved and turn that into a cartoon that's like somewhat animated because that would be hilarious i don't know you, you know I don't, I don't know what you're doing right now i don't know I'm, I'm not just pitching this idea but i think that'd be cool i was just thinking right now like you have such cool celebrity stories like you just mentioned <laughs> a bunch of like cool celebrity stories just right now and well uh, it's, it's... yeah what, what we're doing uh we got a, a documentary coming out of teach and charm oh and it's, more, it's, it's more than a documentary it's not just uh, uh then we did this then we did that it uh morphed into a movie and uh I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a finished cut yet. 
but uh, it goes back and it, and it deals. I don't think it. I don't think we put that story in. Maybe we did. Uh, they had to cut a lot of my 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 side out because it was too too me too much me and not enough Cheech. And but it's a Cheech oh, and Chong yeah. uh, biography. And then what we're going to do, what I'm going to do is uh, continue uh, with the stories, like I, like I'm telling you, uh, because I think what's happening now, whether we know it or not, is that the old days of doing a movie and that's it is over. Uh, every movie it, it can and should be uh, a serial, you know, where you come back part one, part two, part three, part 15. Uh, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone kind of had the right idea with, with the Rockies because he had, what, Rocky 14, you know. They were up was, there. They were up yeah, there. Yeah, so he's at Rocky one, two, three, four, five, you know, 14, up to 14. And that's that's the long, uh, you know, longevity of, of one boxer. Well, what we got now with entertainment, this is what this is my my uh, take on it, is that this what we're doing now. Uh, you know, we're, I, I don't have to be where you are. You don't have to be where I am. Throw a camera, put put our phone on, boom. We can entertain. We can talk. We don't have to travel anywhere. Um, and I think what's happening with the movie industry too, other than. But even even superheroes, superheroes ventures out so you can have Superman forever. You know, Superman goes back to the 20s, I think, you know, and and uh, and I think that's what's happening with with real life. I know this that 70s show is now called the 90s show. And and and, and so it's coming out and I'm in it again. Oh, nice. And, nice. I and, I. I thought that was a rumor for the longest and then the pandemic happened. So um, when is well, that coming out? I have no idea. Oh, you wow. See? And they're waiting for the right time, you know, right now, right now is the right time. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. I'm just, I'm excited. Like you're telling me all this. Cool, tell me about documentary. You're telling me about the nineties show. And I'm just like, well, that's like, what we're, that's what I see with, with, with uh, Cheech and Chong. And uh, now, now Cheech, uh, you know, he's got a uh, art gallery called the Cheech and it's in Riverside and it's highly, very successful. And, and so I'm not totally sure that Cheech is going to be along, you know, come along with me when I, when I do the journey, because what I, I have to be in charge, you know, I've been, uh, you know, uh, for the most part, when we did the Cheech and Chong movies, you know, it was my, it was my baby, you know, I was the one that, wrote most of it and directed uh, almost all of it you know all of them and uh, and then we broke up because Cheech didn't want to do you know with, with do it with me anymore and so he wanted to go on his own and he did uh, born in east l.a and and then he became a cop with uh, don johnson uh now we're back but we're not really back like we used to be and we never will be Fuck, uh, man. Um, but uh, uh, what I see us doing now is doing before Cheech and Chong 
in my life before Cheech, in Cheech's life before Chong, and and then have it do series, you know, uh, this season, two different seasons of, of of the thing, and and because it's recorded, it will always be there, so so people can see the the beginning and the middle and the end, however they want to do it. And, and that's what I see us doing with, with Cheech and Chong, because we're not young, you know, we, we can't be, be young, you know, we are who we are. And, and the documentary will show that uh, when that comes out. And so I'm kind of waiting. And then what I want to do, I want to, uh, I'm, I am forming my own movie company. That's I, beautiful. Yeah. I, I realized the only, uh, way to have control is to own it you know can, and so can, can i shoot you my stoner comedy movie uh, <laughs> i'm just kidding you just know you're like i think i'm, I'm gonna start it i'm, I'm just picking, i'm just picking. no i i gotta answer that uh no <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no no i respect and, that. and i'll tell you why i'll tell yeah. you why I can't accept any scripts or, or ideas from anybody uh, because it's not my idea. Uh, you know, if yeah. uh, that makes me feel I, a lot better, <laughs> I, I could I could hire you as as who you are as a writer, uh, provided you know you uh, you passed the, the the test, you know of uh, of stage time. No, I what I want to do is have a movie company, uh, be the mogul, because that's what Cheech really told me. Cheech, one time he he called me a megalomaniac, you know, uh, and I, that's who I am, you know. Uh, that that I I evolved into this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he and, wasn't wrong. So he wasn't. No. But, but you have big dreams and aspirations, man. That's next level. That's that, a mogul. See, that's what a that's, mogul does. See, I can't work for people because I can. I can. I. I. You know, you can't even write for me. You know. Because, yeah. I, because uh, what I I have to make it my own, and if I take someone's idea and make it my own, then then that's not fair. I will hire writers. I will hire uh, actors. I will hire all the people, producers, whatever you're doing. See, I got this great idea of how to fix fix our planet. The problem with the the democracy, the way we have now, is that it's never settled, as we found out, you know, with uh, with the abortion thing. You know, it, it it all depends on who's running the show. Uh, somewhat, and where the money's coming in, you see. Uh, it has little to do with humanity, and that's the, that's the biggest problem, because we've always had these, these movies. See, the movies, like comedy, it's the truth that resonates, be it anything, art, music, uh, comedy, uh, anything. It's a true, like in music, for instance, when you hit a note, that note has to be pure and you can adjust it. 
like the, you hit the C note, and and if it's sharp, it's called C sharp. If it's flat, it's called C flat. And if it gets any flatter, it becomes a, a different note. You see? Yeah. That's the truth. The truth is like hitting a note and having that note be pure. Now, if you have a pure note, which can be done, you can translate that to everything, to acting, to uh, writing, to comedy, to everything. If it's pure, and it, re it will resonate. Yes. And that's what we're, that's what we're looking for. So that... we want everything to resonate. Now, if it's impure, then it will resonate as being impure. You yes. know, if it's C flat, then it won't be C. It will be called C flat. And, and if you do that with, with, say, comedy, the difference between comedy and drama, for instance, is, is timing, if anything, you know. Uh, it, it, you can uh, shorten the dramatic part and heighten the com comedy part if you want comedy. Or you can reverse it. You can heighten the, again, it can be sharp or flat, you know? And, and, and if you can do it properly, uh, now you got something that resonates because if it resonates, then you have a chance to have a lot of people going, I want to hear that again. I want to see that again. Or you got to see this, you got to see that. Because what you've done, you've produced a vibe, a vibration that people want to live in. They want, they love it. That's what comedy, that's what comedians do, you know? And the minute they step out of that boundary, like Cosby did, yeah. then they, they go from being the most beloved to being the most hated, you know? And, 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 and so what I see we can solve all our problems with truth. That's why the, the Bible said the truth will set you free. And, and, and it does. It does. It sets you free. Now, with your mind, it sets your mind free, you know. And, and now, what I see us doing now, because I've been contemplating, not just contemplating by myself, but I, 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 I am blessed, and I know it, and I've been blessed all my life. And it was simply because I was born, really born blessed. And by the way, you know, I wasn't born in a manger, but I lived in one. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I was born in the hospital, yeah. but as soon as I left the hospital, I was taken to a manger. <laughs> it was a... It was a a converted chicken shack <laughs> where they used to hold chickens. Yeah. And my dad bought a, my, my dad was given a homestead. They gave away a homestead, but you had to stay on the land and work it in order for it to become yours. Oh my, my dad, goodness. My dad, unfortunately never stayed there uh, because, uh, you know, years later they discovered oil on the property, but, <laughs> but he, Oh my God. But he tried to raise turkeys, and, and the only structure <laughs> on the place was a, a converted chicken house, which they 
cleaned and scrubbed. My mother did, obviously, and, and, and made it livable and for a period of time. And then we had to move everything from the, from the homestead into the city. The reason I, I think my father, well, he couldn't make it go, the, the turkey ranch. And so he was always gone looking for work. Because, you know, it's one thing having a homestead, but nothing, you know, getting money to feed the family. Yeah. And he had a family then. He had me, I was a baby, and he had my, my brother, who, who was three years old at the time. And, and, oh, and when, we, when we moved from the, from the, from the manger, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we moved on a, on a horse-drawn hay uh, wagon. <laughs> our furniture piled up high on the hay wagon and it was in a horse at night uh, try, uh, going into town and I was, a, I was a, a baby I was a baby my mother told me the story and, and she had a pet crow and the pet crow followed us for a while in the, in the hay wagon <laughs> and, and, the, and then the crow said ah, you know he found a bait or something but yeah, uh, my 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 whole life, I've been I've been so blessed with poverty. By the way, that's what gave it. Had I been rich, had I been raised, you know, in a in a rich family, I would. I'm quite sure I wouldn't have accomplished near as what I did already, you know, because I had, I would have no need to. Uh, some might argue that if you had those resources that you could just devote everything to the craft and not have to worry about having to. That's the argument. Now, I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree with you 100 percent because Tommy Chong, you're, you're, you're a legend. Pe people, my mentors have reached out to me to tell me how inspirational you are and how revitalizing like everything like you explaining weed laws and then being racist and like why they're racist and how how power is 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 dealt with throughout the world it's it's really like thought provoking like it like nobody and i asked people for litter, for criticism they're like yeah you're kind of nervous at the beginning i was like yeah i know i'm talking to tommy chong are you fucking kidding me i don't want to fuck this up you know what i mean it's like i don't want him to fuck me either but i mean i, I want i want to have a good time and i want to make sure that he has a good time and like it, 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 i'm getting a lot of like information about just just <laughs> everything and it's just so fucking great I, I i and i'm happy for you because here's the thing that i've learned especially through comedy and i mean this i'm actually happy for you that you're doing all that stuff you're gonna have i mean you already have your own brand but i mean having your own studio you're going to like you mentioned it a lot in the last podcast. Surprised you haven't even mentioned them once, but you're going to be the Jew now. You're going to be the man because you said you need a Jew to make it in the business. You're, you're going to be you're going to you're going to have your own studio. Well, you, you, you got to realize. <laughs> I'm just fucking you, around. No, no. But you got to realize the Jew and the Muslim. Yes. They were yes. brothers, by the way. Nice. The Jew and the Muslim. They, they got one. They got one thing in common, and the the belief that there is only one God. That's what they have in common, and that God is in heaven. You know, that yeah. God is in heaven, and what everything God made was good, and everything that 
God did not make was not made. So we live in a world of good. Now, it's the way we perceive the good, you see. Now, that's where evil comes in. That's where uh, miscalculation, misunderstanding. That's why in the Bible they tell you forgiveness. Forgive them. Jesus, can you imagine? He's being tortured, crucified, hung on a cross. And what does he say? Forgive them. Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. Forgive them for their ignorance. And that's what that's what racism is, is just pure ignorance. And by the way, stupid really comes in all colors, all sizes, <laughs> all shapes. Yeah. There is, you know, no one has a lock on stupid. You can look at people and say, oh, he looks stupid. But the real stupid person is the one that's saying that about <laughs> stupid people. Because what it is, we humans, see, we're, we all have the same abilities. That's what, this is what Jesus was teaching you. And in fact, he told everybody, he said, why do you call me good? When there's only one good, and that's God, you know. Jesus told everybody, listen, the mind that's in me is in you. Yeah. Everything that I can do, you can do. There's no secret. There's no secret. Now, the reason Jesus could do what he did was because he was so connected to God that he really, really, he was beyond the son of God. See, he was God personified. He was God on earth. See, and so when you picture God coming to earth, uh, yeah, the Catholics would have him come like in a robe, dressed like the Pope, maybe. <laughs> with a crown. You know, Don't forget the crown. With a, with a crown, <laughs> maybe a, a jeweled specter. You know, that's what Catholics, you know, because Catholics, <laughs> Catholics, their their biggest sin, and, and it is a sin, is they, <laughs> they, the Catholics have created what Moses and the Muslims called graven images. You know, that's See? that's the beef that my born again Christian friends have against Catholics as well. And I've never heard you identify as a born again Christian, but just, you know, believing in God or higher power. And, you well, know, I, 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 and there again, that's a fa fallacy. You're not born again. No one, no one's born again. You're born once. You know, and it was a struggle. You can't say you're born again just because you change your belief. What you've done, you 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 change your mind, and I, then all that <laughs> all that that bat baptism. You know what the baptism is was about? No, John the Baptist. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But do you know why John the Baptist was called John the Baptist? Because his job really was making sure that the Jews washed before they went to temple. Because think about it, those guys walked around barefoot or with sandals. And so when they would go into temple, they would bring the dirt and crap with them. 
And so the idea, in order to be with God, you had to be baptized. You got to go wash your nasty ass, as uh, Red Fox would say. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> See, that's I, that's uh, all it is. Dude, that makes so, sense. But they can't put that in books like that. They can't put that in, why not? <laughs> in textbooks, at least, and for school children. You got to protect no. this. That, that's there's so much ignorance. Like I just wish no, no, no. they would just say that at the beginning. No, but here's the thing is, you have to evolve to the point where yeah. you're interested in God enough that you will take the time. The books are there. And the thing is, God, you have to come to God. God does not come to you. But why? Let's call it free will. Free will. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're born with. We're born with free will. We can go anywhere we want. We can go kill ourselves if we want. You know. <laughs> we can. Oh, I know. People do people do it all the time. I, I remember there was a story about these little uh Bulgarian kids, I think. They were adopted and they were sent over to America. And so what they did, they uh, what's this bush? I forgot. It's, it's poisonous. They sat and ate the leaves until they died. And because they did not, they, they wanted to die, you see. That's and, horrible. And, 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 and no, it's not really. Think about it. No. It's they not. wanted to die. Were they in pain or? or well, I don't know what their story was, but they, they did not want to be on, the, on this plane. And, and that's the free will. That's why you have people that you know people blame guns and shit like that for for you know oh if we get rid of the the guns we won't have these mass killings uh they'll find another way to do it you know? mass stabbings yeah. it happens oh. in china from time to time and then we hear about it like hey shut the fuck up about it don't put it on the news here's 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 what it's very you got to be very careful when you when you I, I can I can talk about it a little bit because uh, yeah because of the the nature of who I am uh, and what I've been given uh, the the task I've been given see I've been given I, I I know I've had experiences where I know that I am uh, ordained in, in that that special I've been given these this chore to do really and and it, and it Oh, okay. I get it. Uh, and what it is, is to use the tools that are, were given to us to advance a cause. And, the, and the, what I want to do, the best to my ability, is to make it easier for people to travel to America, see. See, a lot, a lot of the racist, they use the immigration as a fear, like Trump did. You know, these immigrants are coming here and they're robbing, they're going to rape and they're going to kill and pillage and steal everything. And, you know, wrong. He's totally wrong. Said, and this is coming from a guy whose life is dedicated to stealing shit from other people. You know, this is, this is his whole life. He was born rich 
because his his dad was a bootlegger, I guess, and selling liquor illegally, you know, and taking advantage of prohibition. Because that's what they do. You know, they make something illegal, then they drive the price up. And, and then if you get caught, then, then, then they can stick you in, in prison and all that. But I, 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 I see answers to problems right in front of our face. And the question is, should I tell them? I'm like a spoiler. <laughs> I'm like a spoiler, spoiler just, alert for just, life. Are you scared the government's going to come after you and just fucking murder you for just, I don't know, these Americans, just, I mean, we're so fucking stupid now that if you're to come through with a how-to for how to live life and just not get fucked, you know, people would not like that who are in charge. That would that'd be well, fucking up no, the status no. quo. That's fucking no, that, up the status quo, though. I like that. You're a rabble rouser. I like that shit. No, no, I, I'm encouraging I, I, you. <laughs> do what you need I, to do to make it happen. I, 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 really I can help, am let not, me know. I really am not. I really am not because I don't believe in a them and a us. Okay. I, I believe in ours. Oh, that's beautiful. I always believe in ours. Now, I, I, I know what it's like to be shunted and be demonized. You know, I, I learned that as a little kid when we moved into the neighborhood from the country. Uh, now, we, 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 we came across some racism in the country when we first moved to our house in the country my my uh oh it's okay it's just a thing my uh oh hit the wrong button there we go (laughs) thought we we lost you for a second (laughs) no we we moved in the country uh you know in our little uh bungalow with the outhouse and and the Uh, water water pump down the down the road uh my brother and I were visiting some friends. We just met these friends and, and we're coming home and it was around dusk. And this group of kids, well, they were bigger kids. They costed us. And they, they started pushing my brother around. He was, I was, I guess I was small. I, I didn't, wasn't a threat, but they, they, they kind of bullied my brother, pushing around, hey, what are you doing here, kid, you know? That kind of thing, and and I remember going running home, and then my dad running out of the house after those kids in his bare feet. And my dad's not tall; he's five foot, about five foot three, and he went running, tearing after these kids, and uh, and I don't know what happened. You know, we were in the house and. Next thing you know, we're in bed. I, I don't know what happened. It happened a couple of times. And when we moved into another neighborhood, <clears throat> we had the same <clears throat> bullies. What they do, they, they, they test to see how, wh- wh- if you're one of them or, or you can be bullied, you know? All the and, research. And that, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, this oh, for being probably skinny, right? Or were there, was there like a racist element to it? Because like one thing. Oh, I- it was a it was a brown racist element to it. Okay. Because I, I and, and by the way, I found out just recently that I my brother and I were eight percent native. That oh, my, shit. my 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 grandmother was a half breed, a half native, and she committed suicide. 
Oh, and, no, I'm uh, sorry. I and, 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 and I didn't know. I didn't know the story. I didn't know the story behind it. Oh. But basically, that 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 I was get. I I was chosen uh, because of. Uh, I was chosen and I was protected all my life by my mother and by my father and by my brother, definitely by my brother, and. I always had the, I always liked the wild side, you know, uh, and and growing up poor and 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 being a minority, uh, you don't you have the ability to really become a spectator, you know, and my mother once told me, as I got older, she says, people are going to look at you. So it's up to you how you, what image you give them to look at. And I always, and I always stuck in my head. And I realized that, first of all, I really, I, I could play music. And, and then, I, then I, I learned, I could, I learned how to play the guitar. Well, that was the biggest thing I could do. Because I was playing guitar like before Elvis. And uh, and then during Elvis, that's when I started playing on stage, <clears throat> and and that's when my life really changed. Because <laughs> as long as I had a guitar in my hand and I was on stage, I was something special. Did you and, did, did you see the effect that Elvis was having on the young ladies and think maybe if a young Tommy s- starts playing an instrument or joins a band? Um, you'll start getting ladies too. Was that a motivation or was it strictly like, you know, to, 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 to hone, hone your music craft or was it for the money or the fame or, uh, you know, there's just a lot of different components and it's just like, you know, I just want to make a living. That's it. You know? No, it was, uh, first of all, I, and I, I love it. Never, and I love it quite frankly. I, I never learned to play that well. And, and it was a plus for me. It was a big plus because as, Especially when when Cheech and I started out, uh, we got into comedy thanks to a guitar player that was so good. In fact, he's on our record, uh, Eric Ache My Eye, you know, that mama talking to me, trying to tell me how to live. He played, (laughs) he he, he actually wrote the music. I wrote the lyrics. (laughs) He came out of Cheech's bedroom one time and he goes, Listen to this, Mama talking to me, trying to da 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 and he and he did the tune. Well, I I wrote the lyrics, I think, in one day, and we had a we recorded it, and it was it was great. Well, his name was Gay Delorme, and he was I think Ukrainian, I think, or French, because Delorme could be French. But anyway, he was a, oh, he was a terror when he was a uh, young kid. Uh, he was, uh, he learned how to play guitar or he learned how to l- start loving the guitar while he was in uh, juvenile detention. <laughs> he was in, uh, in, a, in a home for uh, juveniles for breaking the, into houses and stealing shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> And oh so goodness. he, so he, uh, he learned, but he, he became, if not 
Canada's best. There's another guitar named Lenny Barola that 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 was almost as good as Gay. He was a little more jazzier than Gay. Gay Gay went into the rock field and, and Lenny Bro went into jazz. But these guys could play with every finger and every toe. They could play. Oh man, they could. He could sound like Hendrix. And so when I met him, oh wow, I was, I was doing both. I was. I had the strip club, and I had the girls dancing, and then we were doing comedy. And but at the end of the the of the show. I would play the guitar and sing and uh, the girls would dance. It was like a hippie burlesque. And, uh, but when I met Gay DeLorme, I hung up the guitar. (laughs) He he was that good. I literally quit playing guitar because of Gay DeLorme. And, uh, and to this day, no, he, like I said, he died, but oh my God, his sense of humor. It was all over Cheech and Chong. Uh, we did a bit called uh, Me and My Old Lady, yeah. which Gay Delorme wrote everything, including the lyrics. Me and, me, and, <laughs> me and my old lady, we like, we like, we like to, uh, <laughs> we like to go downtown. <laughs> yeah, we like just to cruise around. One day, oh yeah, it's it, he wrote the whole song. <laughs> And 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 he and and he wrote the first bit that we ever did in the in the strip club. The first bit we ever did in the strip club, yeah. we come out. We because when Gay showed up, all the great musicians, you know, they showed up. Actors showed up when I started the acting thing. All the actors showed up, and and Gay. Uh, so we had access, and he was a great. Um, classical guitarist too in flamenco he could play everything with all his fingers and so we the first bit we did with the strip club uh okay now picture this one day we got girls coming out on stage rock roll music dancing flirting with the guys and then the next day we got a classical guitarist coming out sitting down and start playing classical guitar then all of a sudden here comes a uh, uh, a mime artist picking <laughs> 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 flowers what and, and and these these bikers are waiting for the girls to come up but they're interested and and and, and <laughs> when the mime artists come out one of the hecklers said hey Elvis <laughs> They called the Mime Artist Elvis. Oh my God. And then and then my first partner, my first partner Dave comes out like an opera singer. He's got a scarf around his neck and a cowboy hat on. And he starts singing, I dream of Jeannie with the light brown for your because Jeannie is my favorite wired hair terrier. And then I kick a door. We had doors put in the back. And I kicked the door open and I come up with no shirt on, hair messed up, and I got a rolled up newspaper. And I walk over to Dave and I start beating him. I go, what kind of fucking song is that? <laughs> and the audience died. They screamed and laughed. And that was the beginning of our of my comedy career. 
That was my, the first comedy bit I ever did on stage with my with my first partner, Dave. And then we went became partners. We did uh, all sorts of comedy. And then we had a straight man. And then the straight guy, his wife found out that he was in a strip bar. So she made him quit. What? And then that, yeah. <laughs> and, and then we uh, that's when we got a hold of Cheech. Oh, then, my God. Wait, hold on. It's because some guy's wife didn't want him on a strip club, and that's why you got a new partner. And it was that's why you got a new partner. Oh, that's that's fucking funny because if that wife was chill, that would like yeah, there, man. There would have been no change. There would have been no change in chog, or you would have made there it. Would have been no change in chog Mexican. because da- because Dave and I couldn't uh, uh, carry it ourselves. You know, we never thought Dave was. In, in const i was you know we're married two kids uh dave had two or three we all had kids uh and families and we're doing great with two clubs we had a strip club going we had the uh, the after hours club going and we're doing great but when i met cheech and then we tried to put a band together and and, and but we did comedy first and just the two of us doing comedy, we we won the battle of the bands, and we never played a <laughs> note. <laughs> we never played a note. The crowd loved us so much that we never got around to playing music. It would have ruined it. <laughs> and so, so that was it. And so, coming home that night, the windshield wipers of the car wouldn't work, and so we took turns leaning out with a coat hanger on the windshield wipers <laughs> so we could drive. Yeah. And that's when we named ourselves, you know, we we're trying to say, what are we going to call ourselves? Well, Marin and Chong, nah. Uh, Richard and Tommy, nah. I said, uh, Cheech, don't you have a nickname? And he goes, yeah, Cheech. And I said, Cheech and Chong. Oh my God. Cheech and Chong. And it was never Chong and Cheech. It was always Cheech and Chong. And, and then a, ling- a linguist from UCLA, because when, once we start, once we figured out, you know, Cheech and Chong, and we were doing comedy, and we already played to a, you know, sold out arena, uh, therefore, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. And so then we, we had a sneak into LA. We had a sneak back into the States because Cheech had, was up dodging the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so we had a sneak, a sneak of Mexican back into LA from Vancouver. You got me the it was, first. Got it, me was the first. Very, it was very easy. Very easy. <laughs> and, and, and then we struggled for a year uh, before we made it. And, uh, and, and then here we are. That's that's amazing. And that's that's awesome that you don't have you didn't have an ego then and you don't have an ego now. But you knew with Xi Chong, you knew that it was well, right, you know, it sounded good. You know, it just is. You had a vision and you went with it. Yeah. The, the thing is, I kept getting success in the clubs with the band the clubs, you know, and but it wasn't lasting success, you know, and uh and then my personal life was all a mess in a, in a way because I, I, I loved both the women that I, I, I was with, 
you know. I had a girlfriend that she was very content to just be my girlfriend. She did not want to be my wife, and although she is now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, and and I had a wife that you yeah. know she just she just wanted to be a wife, and she still is. You know, we're still close, we're still tight, and so I got everything that that I that I asked for and more. And now it's time to, uh, to to go the next step, you know, and Absolutely. and I and we can do it. I, I'm going to do it now. You're doing it with a documentary. I am looking forward to. Like I, I I'm so. If there's like a screening, or I don't know, like that is so incredible. Like I like it, when it comes out, I'll go see it. Like that is cool. I really dig that. Uh, I really dig the the studio. I, I dig your vision. I dig that you know you're still grinding hard. And to be honest with you, you are somebody a lot of people look up to. A lot of a lot of my mentors have reached out. A lot of people have reached out. Like you know you're you're within glory, right? And I was like, yeah, dude, I know. That's why I'm nervous as hell. But you know what? <laughs> I don't care. You know, I, I, I keep it real. And you know what? I, I know the phone's ringing like Tommy, get the fuck out the phone. Uh, <laughs> you've been talking to that guy for too long. But I swear to God, Tom, like Tommy, if, if, if I had the opportunity, I'd be like, you know what? We're going to fucking Tommy Wednesday and just release every Wednesday. But you know what? Your time is precious. <laughs> Your time is precious. I swear to God. And I and I value the time that we spend together. But I like 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 I say but with you, I don't say this to everybody. You know what I mean? Whenever you want to come back, you're welcome. Because, dude, I, you're enlightening. You're you're just really inspirational. And and God, you really are in. Like, there's so many things that I learned today uh, about the business, about visions, about just everything. It's just so beautiful. Like everything, the insights. And you know what? I like to have positive-minded people around me that see glory in front of them. But the thing is, though, like you have the backing. Everybody, dude, anything you do, people will follow. Everyone loves you, man. Everyone. Yeah, I, you. I, 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 uh, I, I appreciate that. I'm lucky. Like, I am the luckiest dude ever. Like, I seriously am. I mean, you're back. Like, if you ever want to come back, I swear to God, dude, like I said, dude, like, and if you're like 20 minutes and Mexican 20 minutes start right now. I was like, OK, cool. 45 minutes. Okay. No, but I swear to God, Tommy, I, 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 so many gems. And I was just like, thank God I didn't say anything right then because you just <laughs> unloaded this gem. And I'm just like, you, this, okay, cool, cool, cool. You got it. Okay. Let me talk. Okay, cool. Right there. Okay, cool. Because like, uh, I really love everything that just like is thought provoking and just like really like, like heart wrenching at times. It's, uh, dude, I, I, I was going to encourage you if you started your own podcast right now, man, you can make some serious revenue. People like I, you know, I, no, I'd rather be on your podcast. Okay. Than, well, okay. I, okay, fine. I, I forget tried. That idea. I, forget that. Idea. I, I, Toss no, it. I tried. I, I had a, uh, I had a site for a while there and uh, it, it grew, but not as, as big as everybody would like it to grow. No, you know what? I, I've got, bigger things than you know than talking uh i i really have uh oh. you know like i said uh plans for, for the for the planet itself you know oh. I, i'll leave you i'll leave you with this yeah. i was having a 
uh, Timothy Leary and I got to be good friends. And, uh, <laughs> yes. and, and, and we would meet every once in a while, we'd meet at the airport because he was out doing lectures and I'm out doing stand up. And, and Tim says, Oh, we're like, we're like warriors, you know. We'd meet at the night, and we're, we're out there. And, and uh, you know, like Tim used to like to think that he was like a road warrior, you know, he was a, a scientist, you know, a, a brain scientist that experimented with LSD. Well, Tim sort of had a sort of like a, a kind of a downer of, uh, look at, at, at Earth, you know. He, he, he never evolved with the acid. To him, it was a high, and what's mm -hmm. another high? Well, if this gets you high, let's try this. And you know, another. Oh, wow. Well, with me, with acid, it was like boom, right away. Uh, I, everything came to okay i understand I, I understand what i have to do you know what i what, uh, like i got i had direction all my life and so so i'm 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 on the path well tim he was very you know kind of bitter at the end and he said uh he started talking about the, the getting on a spaceship you know finding another earth you know and I, and i told tim i said tim we're on a spaceship right now earth i said then it's very comfortable spaceship <laughs> you don't have to be in a little cramped area with wearing a helmet you know and, and having to <laughs> pee upside down you know uh in the weightlessness i said this is our our our, our uh, spaceship earth and he's and tim said ah he said ah haven't you read my books? And I said, before I could answer, he says, oh, you haven't read my books. He goes, you're, you're just like John Lennon. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? <laughs> because I wanted to hear it again. He said, you're just like John Lennon. <laughs> and I, I smiled. I said, well, thank you. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> because what he was trying to say, you know, that well, John Lennon didn't know what the hell he was talking about either, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but I took it as like, yes, what a compliment, you know. Because yeah, John, you know, I I, I knew George quite well, you know. We 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 got high together a few times, and, <laughs> and and but John, I only met John one time, and I never had a chance to hang with him, but. Oh my God! All the Beatles, man. They're they're they were they were so ordained at the time because we we're the same. My band uh, paralleled all of them. You know, the Stones. Uh, we learned up the same Chuck Berry songs. We we all we all learned the same songs. You know, uh, Johnny Be Good. And uh, yeah, I just uh, yeah. When when Tim said that, I said yeah. Just like John Lennon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gotta go. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. I hope you have a blessed day and um, strength be again. with you. Thank you, brother. I'll reach out. Have a good day. Thank yeah. you again. Thank you, brother. Whenever you need it. I'll yeah, brother. Here. Thank you. And thanks for being on again with another episode. Man, that was cool.
totally fucking cool for reals. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, do your boy a favor. Tell your friends. Tell your cool family members. Tell your cool co-workers. Let them know about the podcast. And leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And be sure to follow me on all social media, Puro Papi Pacheco. And check out my website at HispanicTitanic.com for future dates. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Have a great day.